Uh, so what we'd like to do is take it back to like when you was young. Yeah. So just tell us a bit about your upbringing. Cool. Uh, so I was born Lagos, Nigeria, in Surulere. Then grew up there till literally 11 years old, two weeks after my birthday. I come out here on holiday on September the 3rd, 96. Then while I come out here, uh, my aunt and uncle had asked my aunt, could I stay over and stay here permanent? She said, I'll speak to my husband, my uncle. Spoke to him, he was like, we're gonna have to speak to your mom. So we phoned my mom now, I said to my mom on the phone, like, yeah, I wanna stay, <laughs> I'm not coming back. She said, you know what, you've said this from young, but like I said, <laughs> damn, I wish it was the, the, the year that my uncle flew his kids to America because I ended up growing up in America instead. So every year your uncle flew to either, either the UK or, or America. America. yeah. Why those two countries? Because we've got family in both. in both places, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you would have preferred America? I would have preferred America. Had yeah. you been there before? No. Nah. Okay. But I reckon if I'd grown up there, especially being sporty from young, yeah. I would have definitely ended up in the NFL. You would have killed it. Interesting. I would have killed it. I would have, I would have that kind of energy. I like that energy. I would have destroyed you know? it. <laughs> I love that energy. What was it about like the UK then that you saw in that week where you was like, I need to stay? You know what it is? When I was little, I always used to say, oh, I'm going to live abroad. And I remember it all started from a little toy that used to play uh, the instrumental to London Bridge. Oh, yeah. 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 But you know what's joke? <laughs> Growing up back then, you hear London Bridge falling down, London Bridge falling down. And the picture on the toy was Tower Bridge. Right. So loads of people abroad always thought London Bridge was Tower Bridge. A lot of people don't know that over here, but a lot of people abroad always see Tower Bridge and they always think Tower Bridge is London Bridge, but it's not. Yeah. yeah. I thought that when I was younger as yeah. well. <laughs> you yeah, you see what I mean? Because that's what you'd always see as the main showpiece of London. Mm. Yeah. So it was more like the, the sights that attracted you from a young age? The sights and the people that I met within that week of just playing around in the park and things like that. I was yeah, just yeah. like, right, I could actually live here. Right. You know what I mean? What kind of things did you, off the back, notice was different between like growing up in Nigeria to even just that week that you was out here, were there any major differences that you... The way the kids moved. Yeah? Yeah. Like, you know, like in Nigeria, like your parents would say something and instantly... Over here, there was like, there was always slight rebuttals. And I was just like, rah, like, you know, have freedom of speech. You know what I mean? And also, I'll tell you another thing here, why my mom kind of agreed for me to live here was because it's cool, I used to get into fights, bro, all the time. In Nigeria? Yeah. I used to get into fights because I would never have it from no one. Like, my mentality has always been like, don't back down from very, very young. So I remember, like, my mom, she always used to say to me, if you lose a fight, don't come home and tell me. Like, don't come home crying. So my mentality was like, right, if I lose, just keep quiet, figure out how to to go win, yeah, yeah, yeah. then when you win, come back and tell the whole story <laughs> of what happened. So I remember like sometimes my mom would get letters from teachers and all that complain about this happened or that happened. And my mom would be like, rah, why did this happen? I'll say, all right, so-and-so tried to fight my brethren. So-and-so beat me up. Mm. I had to figure out how to win the next day in school now. 
I might have had like a bag in my hand, swung it, bam, hit them with a book, bam, you know what I mean, stamp them out. Then, like WWE, you know what I mean? <laughs> I always used to find ways to win. I remember like even one time there was a big kid, he was like, so Nigeria, if you fail, you get held back. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you can't go into year seven unless you, you Wait, pass. Wait, could that be multiple years? Like, Bro, oh. this kid was 14, he was year six. So he was already bigger than, than me. So I remember one day, like, we got into a fight. Me and him used to be cool. So he's tried to bully someone I know. And I've stepped in, I was like, oh, leave it, leave it. So he's tried to switch on me. He's picked me up and put me on the wall. The kids are looking through the window like, ah. Oh. Everyone's hyping it up, giving them all that energy. But me, like, I, had, I grew up with, like, in my area, I grew up with older kids who taught me how to fight from young. So they taught me how to fight and win by any means possible. So now he's picked me up now. I've literally kicked him in the balls. He's dropped down, dropped me. I punched him in the balls. He's on the floor now. So I'm holding the, 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 the edge of the mirror window and I'm jumping and I'm jumping and I'm stamping on him. Then I've creeped back into class now. Then teachers have found out what's happened. They've made me go outside. Bro, you see how it's sunny outside right now? Mm. I have to do this for time. This the old school punishment. I'm what, one there, finger? One finger, yeah, that, one that, foot. That was the thing. One finger, one foot. Anytime I drop my foot, I was getting beaten. I was getting beaten every time. Every single time. But while, while I laugh here, yeah, you know why I laugh here? Yeah? This is why I said I would have blitzed the NFL. Because I used to get into so much trouble, I didn't realise that all these punishments had me conditioned from early. So I remember like in secondary school, for instance, when I first started lifting weight and some of my friends would be like, ah, oh, yeah, you've always been kind of built in a way I said that I was skinny but had little defined arms but my baseline strength when I first started benching was 60k from the jump but that was due to years of punishment as a kid so all the trouble I used to get into I realized is what kind of made me strong without even clocking on so like example when I was out there when I was a little kid because I was very crafty and smart I hate, I hate, uh, I hated kids in, in my school. They were little snitches. So like, most kids, we would have a screen from which, which are shorts because of the weather and all of that. But I was crafty. I would wear like shorts underneath my shorts, and I would stack papers in the pockets. So when the teachers are beaten, you know, like in Nigeria, they will raise your hand and they'll be whooping mm. you. I'll be there pretending like ah, ah, ah. But these times, I know it's not hurting me. Yeah, yeah. So one time, <laughs> the teacher's beating, 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 beating a whole bunch of us. The other kids are proper bawling out. And I'm just dead staring, laughing. So one of the kids has snitched on me after I've told them the pattern from time. I say, right, you oh, know it won't hurt if you do this. That's why you don't share the patterns. So you try to help people. <laughs> Man, try to help. That's when the teacher started giving me like real raw punishments, boy, the frog jumps. Hands up there, the angle 90. I, I, I went through it all. I went through it all on a daily because I would never back down. Never, ever back down. And I remember like one time when it was like, like parents evening and, the, and my mum's come out there and like the teachers were like, ah, we're beating him and he was laughing. Then my mum was like, have you ever tried to talk to him? And I was like, yeah, have you ever tried to speak to me? And the teacher was like, ah, oh, yeah, but the other kid, I said, I just looked at him and just kind of just <laughs> laughed. And, my mum was like, Shh. and I said to my mum after, I was like, if they just do what you do and speak to me, I'm a, a polite kid, I'm always good. Mm. 
But if you try to show dominance, it don't work. That, it just triggers me. And I realised that's how transition until today, that's why I'm not working nine to five. Because I realised from young, like even when I used to work nine to five, I hated it with a passion. I would listen and I will do things, but I was just like, I just always hate being dominated. I would rather make less money on my own terms yeah. than make more money on someone else's terms. It's, it's weird, but it's just, I realised it's been ingrained in me from young. So, bro, going back to, like, that that kind of, like, schoolboy you, yeah. how was it? Was it just you and your mum? Me and my mum, and then my little brother. So I had a little brother. He passed in 04, so he was six years younger than me. Yeah, but my little brother was Down syndrome. So he, like, and he had, like, uh, speech problems as well. So it was, like, it, it was weird because I fully understood everything my brother said but no one else knew. Like, we had our own little way of communicating. So it was just like, I remember, like, when I moved out here, I kind of felt bad because my mum said for, like, a good, probably, like, six months, because we used to play hide-and-seek a lot as kids, and I would always hide, like, in the wardrobes and on top of the wardrobe. He would literally climb everywhere, searching, looking for me. So I kind of felt bad leaving him out there. Then in 04, when he passed, I was just, like, proper, like, down for a while because the last time I'd seen my brother was 96. So when he passed, I tried to fly. I was trying to find a flight to fly back home. And at the time, I hadn't got my indefinite leave to remain in the UK. Then after that, about six weeks later, I got that. But my mom literally went and buried him quickly because she didn't want me to try and fly back. Because if I flew back, I'd have been stuck in Nigeria permanently. Yeah. What was the relationship like with you and your mom? Very close. Yeah? Yeah. Best friend type thing. Yeah. Like, my mom was like, like my bridging, like, you know, yeah. like, if I was talking to her on the phone, you know, if I was talking to one of them and them, because yeah, yeah. we'd be brushing each other, like, from, like, the start of the conversation, I'd phone her, I'd be like, yo, big head, you took too long to answer, she's like, what do you mean? I said, Ra, why you let the phone ring three times? Then she'd be like, Ra, you think you're talking to, the, like, you know what I mean? In, 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 in an able accident, we're going back, forth, back, forth, but yeah. that's how we were, you know what I mean? You know what, for me, like, I grew up with just my mum, innit? Yeah. And I feel from a young age, I took on the protector role. Yeah. So, like, if I'm visioning myself, like, leaving my mum at that age. Yeah. I'm going to be thinking, is she all right? Yeah. Like, is mum okay? Were those thoughts going through your head? All the time. But my main reason for moving to, to England was just really and truly because of money. No other reason, but I, I kind of knew this from young. I was like, if I'm able to get to a level to be able to provide for my family and my mum first, then a wider family network, I need to get myself to a certain level. Mm -hmm. So even till today, like even though I've been here all this time and I haven't hit my personal targets, that's still the plan. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, cause my mum, when she was alive, I would literally like, every time I'm working, I'm sending her money, but she'll be using it to help everyone, everyone else around mm -hmm. her. So. I remember, like, when she passed, I said to I said to a few of my family members, like, the glory days are gone for a while. And a few of my cousins didn't get why I said that. Yeah. Then after I explained to one of my older cousins, I said, basically, my mum, I think she worked herself to death where she put everyone else before her. Mm. And I said, I'm not going to do that. I'm yeah. going to work myself to where I need to be. Then, you know what I mean? 
bring gear, then distribute. But before, I used to be like her because I always wanted to make sure my mum was all right. Mm. So all the time, I'm working, 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 and my aunt is like, oh, have you sent your mum money? So I'm there trying to make sure my mum's all right, trying to make sure my aunt's all right, and not watching after myself. So just spending, 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 not realising. So after my mum died, what happened was all the funeral costs kind of came from me, apart from when my brethren have said, uh, so Gabriel was made all my brethren chipping like little money yeah, yeah. to cover off like my rent and bills while I was gone for a month. And I said to him, bro, I proper appreciate that. So it's like even fast forward to now how he's always on my channel with me and all of that. Mm. Like I rate Gabriel higher than most family members just due to the way that he's always got my back no matter what. And imagine my mum being a lot of my family members' favourite, apparently. You know, he chipped him for a funeral. And unfortunately, like after my mum passed, a few of my aunts and uncles have passed and I've chipped in money and that there and my cousins have phoned me and said, oh, thank you, you've put in more than so-and-so and so-and-so. And I'm like, you know what, your mum and dad were always nice to me, you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. it's the least I could do. But at the same time, I could have probably done more. But just due to how I felt at that moment when my mum passed, yeah. it kind of, I can't lie, it kind of made me bitter for a tiny bit because I felt like you lot have been around my mum more than me. Because bear in mind there, yeah, I left my mum at 11. From 11 to, say, when my mum passed, I probably spent a total of a month around my mum. In, that's like a 20-something year span. You get what I'm saying? So there was people a lot closer to her. Then. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, even though like my mum raised me in my early years, I, as I grew older, I was very close to her, but my aunt was as equally close to me as my mum. So like sometimes like, I could kind of feel at times where my mum phoned me and said, oh yeah, I haven't heard from you and blah, blah. how's your aunt? I'd be like, oh, I saw her yesterday. She's like, oh yeah, you're always, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I said, that's the closest thing to you around me. So me and my aunt are very, very, you know what I mean? Close, okay. like, yeah, like when I, when I moved out of home, she thought I'd be, the prodigal son. She thought I'd be the one who never comes home. Because when I lived at home, I was always out all the time. Mm, mm, mm. But I said to her, I just wanted my space. That's what it was. It wasn't... That freedom, innit? Yeah, it's just the freedom of, I know that if I'm upstairs, you're going to phone me. Ah, oh, could you go shop and get this? Could you go do this? Like, I still need to, to breathe. I could be sleeping. You're knocking my door <laughs> to find you the remote. I'm like, mate, have you even looked? It was on the seat next to you. Before they look, they come to you. Yeah, you know what I mean? I said, that's all that was, nothing more. You know what I mean? So in terms of, um, like, your dad, was, yeah. was there any relationship there? Up until when I was, like, six, like, just around the time my brother was born. But since then, I ain't really had no communication with him. Yeah. Mm. See, when, when I touch on subjects like that, that's close mm. to me because like, my dad was very inconsistent like like i've got three half sisters grew yeah. up on the same estate as yeah. my dad and his other family but he hardly checked on me like literally mad. like he put like me and my mum moved the state when i was nine yeah. he came to check me then then i didn't see him for seven years yeah and like to this day i don't have a relationship with him yeah. i don't know his grandkids or anything yeah um but 
like for me i felt like i carried a bit of resentment mm. because i also saw how much my mum had to do because there wasn't because a man there wasn't a man there did you feel any of that towards your dad you know what it's weird like even though like till today we don't speak and i've got siblings like you they're all older than me so my older sisters are like 10 years old they're twins then uh after that's one of my brothers then my next brother he's how old is he five years older than me are these half siblings yeah okay i, I try not to call them that but right. I, I had a bad habit of calling half but your siblings are your siblings yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's it's i don't think it's fair on them calling them half you know what i mean like we should call our dad the half <laughs> <laughs> so uh the last one she's a year older than me but she came out here and checked me like seven years ago that's the only one i've met out of all of them okay then my brother who's five years older he hollers at me regular so i kind of feel bad because i find it hard keeping communication because you know what is i'm so used to being by myself yeah, yeah. that a lot of people get upset with me when they don't hear from me frequent but i'm just like self-sufficient i don't yeah, yeah. Like, I, see, like, I, I definitely example, relate you see like during pandemic when people was losing their minds it wasn't affecting me you was one in a bit. calm space i wasn't i was in a zen mode yeah, mm. yeah. you know yeah. what i mean like i found things to do like i'm naturally someone who could always make something out of nothing so i found things to keep myself occupied so when everyone was going mad at that time it was time for me to kind of reflect because bear in mind uh pandemic started like beginning of march 2000 i buried my mom december 19 uh 2019 so after that i remember coming back home when i was like oh, i'm going on holiday i need to get myself yeah. out of here like you know like everyone's coming oh yeah you're right you're right and at that moment that's not what you want to hear me and marvin gone new york come back following month i'm still kind of like in a in a daze I was like, oh, let's go Paris for a quick weekend and end of the month. After we come back, literally a few days later, COVID had hit all of us. Wow. A week later, we're in lockdown. You get what I'm saying? So I was already in that mode anyway. Yeah. I was already locked down from the, my mum passing funeral period and all that. I wasn't working. Lockdown's come. I'm already in my house all the time. So I was already used to not mixing with anyone. I already locked myself in. I would literally just show up once a week and drive to Tesco, buy food. Then one of my clients that I used to train, because she knew I didn't want to train no one at that period, she would drag me to the gym once a week and I would just do legs once a week with her. Then I would just go back in and just kind of stay my, by myself. So I was already kind of like in that zone. But when I've snapped out of it now and said, rah, back to me, lockdown, I said, <laughs> get inside. So, yeah, COVID kind of, it kind of taught me more about myself where I realised that I've always loved my company, mm. but I loved it even more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Certain people can't be on their own. Yeah. Like, they I, can't, they can't, I don't know, like, I've, I've met, especially women, I find, like, yeah. some women that I've met in the past, they... Are needy. They just don't like they being on their own. And I've always been someone, it might be because I was, it was just me and my mum. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. I've... I enjoy my own company. Yeah. Like, put me in the yard and, and I can stay in my yard for a good week or so. Like, I'm not bothered. As long as I've got food, I'm all right. There you go. Yeah. There you Let go. me ask a question, though. If the both of you, like, 
do you get scared of getting used to being that way? I'll tell you this here, I've got no choice but to get wealthy. I realise why. I need multiple rooms. I need a shared room. I need a spare room. I need, I need a, a study room that it's not going to be for study. It's just for me to lock myself away and take a few hours and just be away from everything. Because if not, it'll be hard still. But you know what? I've dated someone who understands that if I'm silent, there's nothing wrong. Like, I, I like people who could understand that me being silent is not awkward silence. It's and you just, don't have to tell them. Yeah, I don't have to mm, tell them. Mm, mm. Where I've dated someone who I proper liked who was the opposite, where, are oh, you all right? You okay? You okay? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's there to annoy me. Because now there's a problem. Because mm. you're always like, oh, you're right. Are you okay? Wow, there, there was nothing wrong. But now you're just forcing on something. It's become a problem. I feel like for me, to function at the level I function, I need that space. Because if I, and you're a man that does so many things. So to you, need, me, you need time for your brain to start yeah. thinking and resetting and putting things together to make it make sense. 100%. Because yeah. if, I, if I don't, I will then become irritable. I will then, there will be a problem. And the problem is, I need some space to myself. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so without your dad being around, obviously it was just you and your mum and then you moved to England and you're with your uncle now. Mm. How was it living with a man? You know what is here? Like, I rate my uncle so highly. I, I rate him probably high, higher than most people because imagine you're, you're, you've got your wife now. My auntie is my mum's sister. Mm. You could have taken anyone from your side of the family, but you decided to take your wife's nephew. You know what I mean? When I was little, a lot of my cousins were, were proper, like, jealous of me. Like, they proper, like, thought, like, I was, like, their favourite or some oh, golden child. Yeah, yeah, do you yeah. Mean, do you mean your cousins back home? Back home. Okay. They thought, like, I was some kind of golden child where they felt like my aunties and uncles always kind of, like, favoured me. But what they didn't get was, when I was little, like, my nickname amongst family was Old Man because I'd moved, like, I was years yeah. ahead but also. the difference between me and them was I'd never ask for nothing you get what I'm saying yeah. so if I'd ask you for something you'd want to do it because you know it was rare yeah, yeah so yeah. the one time I've asked was could I stay mm. <laughs> you get what I'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. well you lot would always want little things ah oh, yeah could I have this could I have that whereas usually I'm just to myself I was always I was always happy with the little I got if you gave me something, I was always grateful. Till today, it's always the same. I could get the smallest thing and I'm happy. Like yeah, People yeah. always think that, oh, you have to pull out the most extravagant. Nah, like, it could be something. The simplest things in life. Orange juice or something. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just yeah. excited. You know what I mean? So that's where the difference lay, where I was always like, felt like when I was little, I hated school. So I was very good at school because in Nigeria, they had a system where... If your grades were very high, you could skip a year. So my whole plan in school was, my mum knew from little, I was trying to get through school as fast as possible. So a couple of times I was meant to skip a year, she held me back to my year group. And I was just like, why are you doing this? Like, you know, I don't like school. So mm. that's why I was good at school. Not because I was 
Anyone could be academically smart. That's what people understand. It, it don't take a genius to do well in school. You just have to be memory. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah if you've got good memory, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. School doesn't mean you're smart. Like, I know some people might see this and get offended, but being book smart does not mean you're smart. It, shows that you it just means that you're very good at cramming. Mm. That's all it is. So as a kid, I was very good at cramming just because I knew I didn't want to be in school. That's it. <laughs> no other reason. So what was it? What was school like over here then? Because obviously you said in Nigeria, getting in trouble, getting in fights, all of that. Did you feel that when you started school in England, you brought that attitude with you? or? Yeah, seven, I got beat up a lot by a funny front. Yeah, I came in here thinking, ah, oh, yeah, all the English kids are pussies. <laughs> I, I, I beat some kids up, but I got smacked up a lot. I can't even lie to you still. Like, there's some man, when I see them, like, in my head, I'm like, you got me still. <laughs> you battered me still. <laughs> the memories are there, boy. I'm like, damn, if I can get a time machine, I'll just throw like something, catch that spider, hit him. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, I think when I moved here, I kind of dumbed down. Yeah. Serious? Kids in Nigeria, like, academically are, like, if you go to the right school, academically ahead of the kids here. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I've heard. Like, like, spelling-wise, things like that, I think I was better over there than when I moved here. So I think I like, probably like year six, I was better than I was when I was in year nine, because at first I was trying to mix with the, the English boys. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to be one of the boys. So I'm halfway trying to be good at schoolwork, but halfway trying to, you know what I mean, mix yeah. with the man them. Yeah. But by what the time- did you go to? Archbishop Tennyson, but by the time I finished school, my grades were back up, you know what I mean? Back up to where they needed to be, like, but I think partly another reason why I didn't do as good as I could have done in school, even though I passed everything but French, was due to my aunt being very, very strict. Comes back to me and my issues with people trying to... Control. Yeah, show dominance. It, it literally frazzles me. So what's happened now is my aunt had this, you had to be back from school by four. Bear in mind, my school finished at 3.20. So there wasn't no time to... 40 minute window. Yeah, yeah, there wasn't no time to mingle with no one or this or that. So at one point when it got to, why my grades got better at the back end of school was by the time it got to year 10, I'd rather just stay in school. So after school, I would just stay in school and do my work at school and uh, my worst subject was English language and literature, but I got two C's in both. But I used to stay with the English teacher, which was my deputy head, and he used to help me a lot. So like even during half term, when he would be in school, I would go into school in half term, and he would help me in my work to get better grades. Right. So like, right, proper rating for that, because you don't have to do that, you know what I mean? But it was a thing that I come from a family that's very competitive, so I still wanted to, to pass. So like, in my family, you want to be the best at whatever you do. So I think if my aunt wasn't as strict as she was, I would have got better grades. Yeah, but due to her being so strict, I felt like I was in prison. Imagine you come home at four o'clock, by four o'clock you have to eat, four thirty you have to go to your room and study from four thirty to seven thirty. A child's been at school from eight twenty in the morning till three twenty. It's mad. Your mind is not thinking bookwork. Nah. So what started to happen was I think when I was in school, I, I got into a pattern of, I always used to see, sit down at chairs by the window and I would always be looking outside. 
and I realised that come from always being I don't want to be here no more. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I remember the first few years of living here, like I'd be moaning to my mum like, oh yeah, like when my aunt goes out of the room, I'd be like, I don't want to be here. Like I hate it. You regretted the yeah, decision early on. Because my mum, like when I was a kid, like you come back from school, you just go outside and play after you've done your homework. Like literally, I bang my homework out fast. And, just out there just running with the kids like local kids kicking ball just running in the sand and doing a madness then back in then go sleep get ready for school and like me and the kids are all walking to school catching joke and you know what i mean we're late every day that's why we used to get into trouble as well we'd be late every day because we stop and we're talking and talking to like the little kids who don't go to school and all of that and just like little little like area boys you know what i mean then coming here and just having feeling like all your freedom has been taken like it was annoying because I remember like I got my first mobile phone in year nine, and you know back Lucky in the, yeah, and you know back in them days you weren't allowed a phone, mm. like your parents weren't buying your phone. So I remember like I bought my first phone and no one knew I had a phone for like three years, up until college. I remember just after my sixteenth walking like, hey, my mum was like, bro, you got a phone? I was like, oh, I got two, man. This is my old one. So I remember like in year nine talking to some of my brothers who'd gone jail in school. And they sounded like they was having a whale of a time in jail. I was like, oh, what's going on? Why, why does it feel like it's more fun there? Than out here. You know what I mean? So I remember, like, when I was younger, like, and my aunt saying, oh, yeah, why are your grades this and, and that? And I was just, like, telling her that you're too strict on us. Like, you don't give us mm. that time to do nothing. Sunday, we're in the whole day. If we don't go to church, you're going to make us stay in. Saturday... We've got this little window of we have to be back by 6.30. But you've taken us to do food shopping and by the time we get back into the house, it's 3.34. So it felt like I was in a, some prison camp or yeah. something. So due to that, I just didn't care about book work as much as I used to when I was younger. It became when a I was, chore. Yeah, it became a chore. It wasn't fun, you know what I mean? But when I was younger, it was a thing that I would just literally study because I wanted to get out of school quickly and being from a family that's super competitive I wanted to have the best grades at the same time I wanted to be the best athlete I wanted to be the strongest I wanted to be yeah. everything you know what I mean but by now moving to here I was just like oh, forget school man this is long you know what I mean when, like, when, when did you get that freedom again to like just stay out for as long as you want to I think when I got to 18 when I started banging out overtime at work so what happened was when I got to 18 now, uh, I decided not to go uni straight away. I took a year out and that's around the same year my brother passed and all of that. So I just used to work, 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 work. And I was playing basketball at the same time. Then a lot of times I'll just be like, I'm staying at my girl's house because I didn't want to be at home. Yeah. So because my, my aunt was cool, my girlfriend. Okay, okay. She didn't mind me going there because she knew that right, I was at my girl's mom's house. She knew it was, I wasn't going to be in a madness. But me knowing that I knew I was free, you know what I mean? My girl's mom wasn't going to say to us, ah, stay in. Out and about. Out and about, yeah. you know what I mean? So, going back there, yeah, you mentioned some of your friends were in jail. Yeah. Yeah. How was your kind of like friendship circle back then? Because obviously you're, you're going into a school yeah. and this is all new to you. Yeah. So did you find that you kind of gravitated towards people you shouldn't have or... You know what? My friend circle is half and half. Yeah? Yeah. You've got the proper, like, screwed on, level-headed, 
full on corporate and you've just got the down for anything <laughs> <laughs> you would never see that man on my YouTube put it this way <laughs> you would never see them on my Instagram either they're never in pictures of me like you would never you'd never expect them to be my brethren's but I've always got love for them they're just loose cannons so that's how my friend circles split in half and half like for me I feel like our, our circle I say we become a reflection of our circle sometimes yeah. we're a reflection of our environment yeah. growing up was there people along your journey you've had to distance yourself from because of what they were on yeah. and if so because I know there's younger people probably going through certain things yeah. like how did you go about that you know what it is here a lot of people don't understand like especially younger kids they all think oh yeah the friends I'm with right now are going to be the people I'm going to be with forever all the time it's some people are going to fall off like don't get me wrong a lot of my inner circle are my day one friends from when I moved here example like my landlord was my first ever friend when I moved here like literally I met him two days after he was in the park they were throwing paper planes and I was like right let me join in and we become friends from paper airplanes yeah. till today you know what I mean then uh my neighbor who lives upstairs Scar he was like in my class and we were rolling together at school like literally like this is like a week after coming here and we're still you know what I mean I'm there always pushing his cleaning business he's like he's he's gonna be one of my clients like from next week so it's still kind of some of the same people around me but there's one or two people that just kind of just drifted off and it's their fault you know what I mean like if we're all brethren's you can't be now you've decided to become fully full-time bad man you can't be trying to rob your own brethren's like yeah. once you cross that line there's no you just you've put yourself away from everyone else because now if I've seen you trying to do it to the, the man out of you know like in every friendship circle you've got people you're closer to yeah, yeah. you've done it to the man you're closest to you can't even know where I live. Yeah. yeah. Like, we're cool from, from afar. Yeah, but I will never tell you where I live because instantly I already know that right, I have to always watch you 24-7. You know what I mean? And I've got a few friends like that who we were close, very close when we were younger, but now I kind of... But I know where they live. <laughs> but they don't know that. <laughs> Just in case. You know what I mean? Like... Power, to me, power circles, yeah? So yeah. that you've got, like you said, you've got a certain men that are like proper screwed on. Like, yeah. How important is it for your circle to be diverse? Like, or t for there to be people in your circle that are, I'm assuming, elevating you? Yeah. How important is that? It grows you. Like, being someone who's very competitive, you don't want to be the last. You get what I'm saying? So when you see your brethren doing well, you're happy for your brethren. But that gives you that inner fire. It comes back to what we were talking about earlier where you've asked, would I date a woman who's making more than me? I said, yeah, because I know that's going to trigger me to, to want to work harder, to, you know what I mean, pull myself up to go to her level and go past her to be the, the yeah. one who's, you know what I mean, giving her everything she wants and more. Mm. So I know that's going to inspire me. For some man, it's going to trigger them. But for me, I'm going to be inspired by, oh, my girl's doing this, that. That's great. So I get inspired a lot of times by my brethren's. You know what I mean? So they kind of make me think, right, I could do a lot better than I'm doing. Like, I should level it up. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I've got brethren who 
uh, this weekend I was with one of my brothers, he, he was in the NBA, so I was with him Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and we just out and about, and he's kind of someone, he kind of changed my mind a lot on certain things where before like 2019, if I start my day, I might train a client, train another client, jump in my car, bang out Uber. If I ended up in West End and it's like 6 p.m., I might be like, I'm going out this weekend. Let me drive it to Selfridges, a couple of new top free bills. I made that back. So I didn't really care. And I remember like before my mom passing, she was like, oh, ah, your new car is nice. You spent money. Ah, uh, that watch that you bought, I heard. Your, your cousins told you, I was like, what, what do you mean about what watch like? I ain't told you about no watch, no nothing. So ah, your cousins told me, blah, 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 this, that, that, that. It's the same one your uncle got, but your one is just slightly more expensive. I was like, oh, God. My mom was like, ah, oh, what are you going to save for your house? Funny enough, I did. But I could have probably had a bigger deposit at that time. Then obviously COVID and everything happened and blew through all of that. But... If I didn't, right before COVID, if I didn't go to Miami and was around my bridging, my mind wouldn't have changed to, why am I always spending, spending, spending? Whereas, this is your richest bridging. Like, give you an example. We was in Berners party and he was the second richest person in the room. The richest person was Diddy. You get what I'm saying? Mm. But you never know this just because the way he moves. So I remember saying, saying like to my other boys when I came back, I said, oh, I'm not buying free bill shirts no more and all of that. Yeah. It don't mean nothing to me. And they were like, what happened to you? I was like, mate, I went Miami. I'm rolling with man them who've got like 100 M plus and none of them were in designer. Like literally I'm thinking, oh, why am I the one who looks like the, the superstar? Mm. I look like, a, I look like, like when we get out, I look like Ra was about to drop a mixtape. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I was, I was gonna be like part of free bands and Joy Future. All I needed was a, a chain with an owl. That's all I needed. But these men have got dumb money and they just. They say that certain men wear their wealth. Like you see. Yeah. You see what they've got on them. Bro, you know the other day he was out, he was wearing white Reebok Classics. I was looking at him thinking, oh, where the hell did you find Reebok Classics from? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> he was wearing white Reebok Classics in the club. But literally being around him just made me realise, I was just like, what am I doing this? Am I doing this to, to stunt on other men? Am I doing this to try and impress women? Because I was like, if it's to impress women, even when I only had like one pair of trainers, I was still getting gal. Mm. So what am I doing? So that kind of made me kind of reset then it, it changed my mind. So like now, I could get to where I need to get to one day and I don't think I'm going to really change much. I think the only reason why I, I might go back to maybe buying, because I'll be like, now I could actually do yeah. it properly and do it how I want, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm Nigerian. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not skip that part. <laughs> you know how we are. It's in our culture. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah, but for now, I'm just like, Rah, why do you run them, man? This... Tone it down. Like, them men are showing you that they, they've got beyond. Like, even my brother only got, got a Sprinter van and a Jeep Cherokee. And I'm thinking, rah, you've got mad money and you're in a Sprinter van. 
all your bridges are in Lambos and Rolls and all of that, but you just... So, like, when you're around that, it, it, it humbles you, man. Mm. It proper humbles you, because you realise that these men are thinking beyond themselves. They're thinking generations after them. So would you say his priorities, their, their priorities are different to certain men that are wearing, like, jewellery and, and them things there? Like? You know what, if you're a rapper, it's part of your branding. I, I, I get, mm. I get, it's part of the branding. It's what sells, but... Sometimes I feel like man them stunt to try and stunt on other guys. Let me ask you a question. Do you do you feel like a lot of men like dress and wear certain things just to impress men? More time. Because a lot of times a lot of brands that we wear, a lot of women sometimes don't even know them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's only if it's a, a someone who's fully into fashion and lifestyle. But a lot of women more time don't really care. They just like as long as you dress nice, they're not too bothered. You know what I mean? If you fit, if your clothes fit properly, that's all that matters to them. But the man them always think that, ah oh, yeah, because I'm wearing Dior. Nah, it's, it's the man them that I like. Yeah, that, that's hard. Mm. Not true. You know, I mean? you know what I've always said? Like if you if you've got a certain build, yeah, a plain white tee that fits. Yeah, right, can do the part. Can do the part. Yeah. You don't need a name brand. Yeah. It's just a simple plain or black yeah. tee because your build's on point. But yeah. a certain man. I feel might have insecurities where they need to cover those insecurities yeah. with brands. And bro, bro, I'll give you an example. Like, tops I used to buy, three bills, four bills, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, now I run to Zara and I'm just like, boom, 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 25, 25, 25. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of times I'm like, bro, I'm not even repeating outfits that much, but it's 20 pounds, 20 pounds, 20 yeah. pounds, 20 pounds, 20 pounds. And you're just realising that you've got more. I can't lie, that's my tech as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. That's how I switch it up. Yeah, I switch it up. 20 pounds, 20 pounds, 20 pounds. Because it's easier to switch it's up easier. when you're paying for those price yeah. points. When, you when you're paying more. Stuff, you have to wear that. You have to get... You get the money's the worth. The problem is, you can't take pictures. Because <laughs> once you take one picture, you're done. You know what I used to do with designer tops here? If I took a picture here, I just used to save that top for holiday. I just fold it and just be like, yeah. <laughs> That's the suitcase top. And when I'm on holiday, I wear the club and a man's about to, what? That's been on the ground a couple of times. I can't wear that again. It's quick. Man's aware of the outfit. Yeah, yeah. Doc. Yeah, trust me. It you gets know what's like that. Like, my, son's, my son's 14, yeah? yeah. Or he's 15 on Sunday. And he's got to that age now. Discovering drip. Where he wants like, a 300 pound this and whatever. And I said to him, look, if I'm going to give you 300 pound, yeah? You've got to make that work because mm. what you can't do is buy one tracksuit with that and, and then stuck. say, Dad, I've got nothing to wear when I go out. I said, you've got two types of man. You've got one man that will spend that £300 on one thing yeah. and you've got another man that will be able to take that £300 and look fresh with so with. many Bro, g- give, give women £300. They, they're going on fr- flipping pretty little thing and, and mm. ASOS and all these sites and they will come out with like 25 outfits. Yeah. And the man's just got that one tracksuit yeah. that you can't wear again. You get me? I mean? every, every picture on Instagram. <laughs> Same tracksuit. <laughs> Bare angles. Wait, wait, wait. I'll show in the front. Let me, let me stand sideways. Zip open. This yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> but that's how, that's how men them are. Men them are trying to oppress other men them and show that mm. they've, got, they've got everything. But I'm telling you, like... That's after, pretty sad, though. It's, it's, but after that trip, came back and I was just like... Mm, man, that changed. yeah. I'll, I'll give you one thing though. I realized even out there, you might see all the man them. They might keep the plain white tee, plain black. Yeah. But when it comes to jewelry, <laughs> that's their thing. 
Them accessories. Ah, uh, America, yeah. that's their thing, the accessories. Yeah. You've been the club, yeah? The club would be dark. It was a black tea, but you see, like, when you they're smiling, the ching, ching, ching. Mm. Watch, chain, teeth, everything just gleaming, like, looking like a disco. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, if, I, if we go back here, yeah, like, you're obviously a man in shape, yeah? yeah. I can give you that, that man in shape. And um, I can see you're passionate about that, and yeah. that's, that's your living. Where did that come from? Like, because you you said that school time was quite strict. Education, yeah. education, education. Yeah. You haven't mentioned that like, sport in school or anything oh, like that. So when I was little, my mum used to work in the National Institute of Sport in Nigeria, right. and uh, so my first sports were like tennis and basketball, and football, and uh, my first ever basketball was given to me by Akeem Olajuwon. He gave me two basketballs as a kid. Then uh, Okocha and Kanu when I was like, Ooh. what year was it? 94? Legend is I met that man in 94, like before the under-17s. So my mum used to handle visas and all that. And Kanu gave my mum a football for me as well back then. So like, I grew up around athletes yeah, yeah, from yeah. young. So all the time, they're going on like international trips and that my mom would always be the one sorting out the visas and all of that so fast forward i moved here and tried to play sports my mom was like mm -mm -mm. not until you're 16 finish your gcses Seriously? so oh. during school i wasn't allowed to join the football team basketball nothing i wasn't allowed to join any after school activities and the funny thing is back then i was better at football and tennis than basketball but when i finished school I start with basketball. Because all the reason why was because a lot of my brethren's were already getting signed. Okay. You know what I mean? So yeah. you see your brethren like, rah, I'm signed to this team. Yeah. I'm signed to Charlton. Like one of my brethren's in college at Albert Jarrett, he was he was at Wimbledon first year, then second year was at Charlton. Then I remember like he we had to come college every day. He only had to come three days if he wanted. You know what I'm saying? So you're seeing this. So my aunt's like, oh, why don't you want to play football? No, I was like, the key years I missed. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, the key years I've missed, like when I've come out here, my mum, I remember asking me like, oh, do you still play football? And I was like, no, do you still watch football? I was like, no. So till today, because of that, I don't watch football. Yeah, understandable. A lot, of, a lot of Nigerian parents made that mistake. Yeah. Like my favourite football players back then was Canton and Shera. So I, I would either be the Man U or Newcastle fan. Yeah. Yeah. But literally, just because of not being allowed to play, I had to switch off because what would happen is we would come back from food shopping and he had two options, go out and play or try and watch TV. But the problem is if I tried to watch football now, my aunt wanted to watch Sunset Beach. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not going to win. So because of that, I just switched off of football because I knew I would not be able to keep up. I remember we're not in the era of uh, we had phones or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just literally the next day I just opened the paper. I saw. So I was like, well, why am I supporting when I can't even keep up? So I just switched off on football. What was your, as a, as a kid, was you like a skinny child, chubby child? Like, skinny. Skinny? Yeah. So like, what made you, when did, when did like the passion for gym kick in? Dragon Ball Z, man. Yeah. A lot of men say that, you know. I saw Goku. Goku. Yeah, that's it. I was like, these two bastards. <laughs> <laughs> you get me? Then it ended up looking like that. And I was like, yeah, now time to power up. 
a lot of, so when did when did you first when do you remember that first going i think i went into a gym at like 15. yeah i had no app bro like there was i wasn't using free weights yeah. i was on chest press like not even the bar just yeah. the machine and it was like every time i went in it, it was just chest i had no idea what i was my, doing my school had a a little like going into the sports hall they had a little section which was a gym like size of this room and they had like a pet deck and leg press and dip and pull up bar and i remember like we, it was there but we were always told not to touch it so when we're running through to go to the basketball court i just literally just quickly just try and do a few leg press do a few pet deck and you know what i mean all the time you're told not to touch something but because you're told not to that's why you have to so I remember like all the time I would always do this. <laughs> so who was it there for if you, if you um, weren't allowed to touch it? Schools make d dumb rules like dumb that. Dumb rules? Yeah, dumb rules. So I remember like uh, the deputy head one day, he was up there and then he was trying to teach how to do uh, dips. And every time I dip down, it felt like it was just cutting through my chest. Mm. Like, you know, like when you're bony and yeah, yeah, yeah. like it just felt like, I was like, yeah, like this hurts. Like my chest is it's breaking. So I remember when I got to like 13, I bought, uh, the York set, dumbbells, barbell, oh, yeah. and a bench. Bro, that was painful carrying that because we went to Argos Wolf Road because that was the only one that had the set at the time. So we threw that on the 35 bus, caught the, yeah, caught the bus, that, yeah, right? caught the bus to uh, Campbell, switched to the 345. The 345 stopped on Stockholm Road. I had to carry it down one long road to our road. Oh. Me and my cousin just jogging this weights. Jumping on the floor, <sighs> we're like, we must make it home. You know what I mean? Then we went and bought a bench that we put in our room. So imagine here, yeah, at this time, we've got a bunk bed in our room. We've got a little single bed because my cousin had moved. So my older cousin, he was born here. He got moved to Nigeria when he was little because he was bad, like he was bad breed as a kid. Yeah. So he got moved to Nigeria when he was five and came back in his, what was it? Early 20s now? Yeah, he must have been his early 20s then. So he'd come back here. So now now we're free in a room with a bench and dumbbells and barbells. Tight, the room was tight. But we was just in there like, literally. So this is another reason why I probably didn't do as good as I could have done, <laughs> even though I got good grades. Like my grades were decent, but instead of studying, I was banging weights. Yeah, I was just there, just in my room, just so benching. what age is this? this it's like 13. 13? Wow. Yeah. Cause that's all I could do. There was nothing else to do. We weren't allowed TVs in the room. Yeah. And even every year, this is annoying thing. Every year we would get bought either a PlayStation or 64, or I remember we got bought a PlayStation, N64. Dreamcast. Uh, Dreamcast. Yeah. We got bought a Mega Drive. Uh, we would always get consoles, but yeah. we won't have time to play them. So anytime my little cousins would come from Nigeria, my other little cousins, we'd just give them away. Cause me and my cousin was like, we ain't got a TV, and the one TV in the front room, and my aunt always wanted to watch Sunset Beach or Coronation Street or East End as well. So uh, them programs scarred my life, bro. <laughs> Emmerdale and all, you know what I mean? Like literally, there was a pattern. She would start and just go one after the other, and neighbors and all them. <sighs> it was too much. So anyway, we didn't get to really use them apart from when we opened them on Christmas Day. So we just always give them, give them away. So having our weights in our room was just our thing. We'd just be weights in the room. We had a pull-up bar on the door. 
to be doing pull-ups and doing weights. I never so trusted the pull-up bar on the door, you know. No, I swear I'm still. No. I always just had this fear of that. Yeah, you know, it was break. It could, it could hold up to probably like hundred k confidence. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. even now, when I go to my old house and my cousin puts it up, I'll go there and do a few chin-ups quickly, just for old times' sake. No, it was a mental thing for me. So yeah. when where did um like personal training come into it? Uh, basically, my ex-girlfriend. I used to always go gym with her, and anytime I go gym, the trainers in the gym will ask me questions on how do you do this or how do you do that, and she was like, oh, these lot are always asking you, and they've been PTs for years, she's like, why don't you become a PT, because she's like, you don't like working nights anyway, at the time I was working security, so she's like, if you do PT and do security at first, you double up. Oh yes, sir. So that's how I got into it. What age was that? This is nine years ago. Nine years ago? Yeah. And so obviously by that point, if trainers are asking you for advice, yeah. you've already got your frame. Yeah. Yeah. So from 13, yeah. was that just consistent weights? No. So 13, 13 to 16, consistent. Then at 16, I started playing for Brixton Top Cats. So when I started playing for Brixton, my coach won't let me lift during the season. So imagine off-season, wham. September will come. By the time Christmas comes, <laughs> by the time April comes, Marga, back to slim. Then May will come, back, lifting. September comes, stop again. So that was pattern for years. Yeah, yo-yo. Then after that, when I stopped playing basketball, it's about 2008, I started going uh, to run track and picked up rugby as well. Same thing again, I would lift during the off season, during the season, I didn't have enough energy because track was intense and all the lifting would do was more like uh, Olympic style where we do like cleans and stuff like that. Mm, mm, mm. So track was so intense then uh, rugby was hell as well. So you didn't, just didn't have no time to really focus on the gym. So by the time season finish, by the time seven seasons come, I'm skinny again. Then in 2012, uh, I had an injury. It, came, it just came randomly, but it come via rugby, where I had a fracture in my spine, but I didn't know. So one day I'm walking down the road, and my back just couldn't move. I was like, rah, what's wrong? So I've gone to... Uh, Osteopath, one of my friends is an osteopath and he's done an x-ray now and he's seen like, fracture. yeah, fracture in my spine. So that just kind of just made me stop playing rugby. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, if you keep on playing, you, 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 Risking. Yeah, you could be like one injury from being disabled or you might have a great career, it's just way up. Yeah. At the time, because I knew I was uh, studying for my level three, I was just like, you know what? choose in it mm. like do you want to keep on playing or do you want to focus on PT because if you get injured now you ain't going to be able to tell your clients what to do oh, I can't even bend down to I'm trying to show a squat I'm like yeah just wait let me let me pull up YouTube <laughs> so this yeah, is yeah, what yeah. you do you know what I mean do you still get back problems with it then nah okay. nah nah I'm cool yeah I literally I, I was lucky where my bridging had his place in uh, at the time it was Victoria, then after Mayfair, mm-hmm. and he just used to say to me, come before my clients come. 
So his clients come from seven and I'll be there at six. We do all the manipulations. I'll stay on this uh, bed called a spinal decompression bed and literally it would just stretch me apart. Then uh, have the laser on my back, just trying to help heal up faster. And literally I did that for like close to a year. Like even when I got better, I was still going just to make sure that I was just way ahead. Yeah. So literally, like close to a year, I just used to go to like twice a week every morning, and he would just literally just for free. So lucky enough, because his prices, mad, yeah, yeah, yeah. He matched me, man. Yeah, he matched me, yeah. boy. Yeah. Like I owe him to this day, boy, because his prices are up there. It's not no, <laughs> not no cheap thing. Because you have to think he's based in Mayfair. Mm. Yeah. So you see, obviously he qualified level three. Yeah. Yeah. I remember doing that myself. Yeah, and. Mm -hmm. I just remember doing it at a point and then reflecting back and thinking, I didn't need to go college. If I knew I wanted to do personal training, I could have, like, I went college because I felt I had to go. Yeah. I didn't go uni, but that yeah. personal training qualification, I could have probably got at the age of 18, but I yeah. got it at like 28. Yeah. Like, for that younger people out there watching, what would you have done differently in like post, post school if you, if you could go back? I'd have never gone uni. Seriously? Yeah. How come? I did that more, more for my mum, a bit for me, but more for my mum, because you know, like, African parents, they have this bragging rights with yeah, the others, degree. yeah, and having a degree, but my degree don't affect any part of my life. You know what I mean? So I could have cut that out totally. <laughs> and just, that personal training qualification. Yeah, because literally all uni taught me was discipline. Mm. Yeah, that's literally all I took from uni. Because while at uni, I was like, right, if I could stay here from nine till God knows when, and when you got coursework, sometimes you don't li leave there till like midnight because yeah. you're, I'm like, I can afford to work for myself. Clockwork. So, like, you know, sometimes when I'm I might have like an event, I might be training, I might film YouTube, I might be doing something else. And everyone's like, how do you do it? I'm like, mate, this is a breeze compared to uni. Yeah. People don't realize here yeah, to be stuck on your laptop, listen to a lecture, just chatting and you're just like, oh my God, like all of this is on slides, but this is what we're paying nine grand to, so that you could put all these slides up and just go over slides that you're, you're talking about. I could, I could have stayed at home. I got over the slides myself. <laughs> Then after that, you've got loads of work to type up. So you're going to be there for like five, seven hours. You might start off on a roll and go through half of it. Then brain freeze kicks in. You spin around in your chair five times. You look out the window. You start chatting shit to a girl that's sitting over there. The man that was sitting over there, you start playing cards. You know what I mean? Before you know it, seven hours are gone. And you're like, damn, I'm still here. They ain't done nothing. Yeah. But that's uni. So now imagine you put the same hours into yourself. Mm. It's a breeze. It's literally a breeze. That's why it comes back to what I was saying earlier on about in regards to like dating and how I avoid people who don't train because it, they start trying to throw their insecurities on me, one. And two, when they start mentioning the thing about time and I'm like, from Thursday to Sunday, clink clink. No one, no, no one is tired when it comes to enjoyment. Yeah, yeah. Like, 
I have bridges who now be like, ah, oh, yeah, this gym thing is long, blah, blah, blah. If I said right now, this celebrity's got a party tonight, brother, they'll find a way. They'll be the last one out of the club. And they'll still find a way to go work. So I said, everyone prior prioritise what they like. Yeah. Like you were saying earlier, there's days where you don't like gym, yeah. but guess what? You still go. Because mm. you know what it does for you mentally. So everyone prioritise what they like. So when people say to me, oh yeah, I haven't got time to go to gym. I'm like, I know women who've got two kids, four kids, and they bang out gym. I know a woman who, she doesn't live too far from here. She got, I think she got four or five got her own business, works like 12, 14 hour days and she still trains. Everyone puts what they want as their forefront. <laughs> you know what I mean? I always say that if someone's achieved something in worse conditions than you, it removes your excuse. Because I feel like a lot of people will be like, oh, but I've got two kids. Or if I bring you someone that now has two kids and is doing it, that mm. kind of removes your... Your excuse. Your, your excuse yeah. oh, I've got one leg. Okay, yeah. if I bring you someone with one leg and one arm, and doing doing it, yeah. it removes your yeah. excuse. Yeah. But I think we can be comforted by our excuses sometimes until we meet someone that's doing that's yeah. doing it. How, how important has gym been to your mental well-being, especially with everything you've gone through, losing family members, um, lockdown, all of that. It keeps me like focused and disciplined because I'm like. Like I said, gym's gonna take maximum two hours of my day. That's if I'm having one of those days that, you know, like when you're a big kid, like a candy shop where you wanna try everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'm in gym two hours, that means I just wanted to try everything that day. Like I'm in a zone, I'm like, yeah, I wanna do this, do this. I'm overdoing it, but I'm enjoying myself. Mm. On the average, I might be in one hour, gone. Mm. You know what I mean? So for me, it's, even though like, it looks like it's the big part of my life. It's fun and work at the same time. Yeah, yeah. But I don't let that dominate, you know what I mean? My whole personal life. I'll, I'll say something in this year that I hate, that happens in real life. I hate when I'm out and I'm out in, let's say, like a day party or festival or something and I'm enjoying and someone starts talking about gym. Just like, brother. <laughs> There's a time and a place. There's some fine women walking you, around. You must get that all the time, though. Everywhere you go. There's some fine women walking around. The music is thumping. And you want to talk to me about how much I benched over there. Bro, please stop. Please, not now. It's like, I love the gym, but right now... We're going to cut this clip and put it out there. Put it as out a notice. There. Yeah, we're talking about Hennessy right now. You want to talk to me about flipping what... I'm trying to be like you, bro. Uh, you know, I've got a confession, though. There's like, a time and a place, bro. Like, I love gym, but come on, man. We need to, you know what I mean? But it, it comes back to, there's some man who I realise here, yeah, their whole personality is a gym. Mm. So when they're around women, they don't know what to say, but yeah, today I squatted this. Yeah, yeah. And now when they're around men who... They look up to you in the gym, it's the same thing. The same and thing. I'm like, bro, like, stop trying to chirp to me, man. I'm okay, man. You know what's mad? You know since, what I mean? since, since the co-parenting stuff has taken off, yeah? yeah. Like, I, I've been in the gym, and certain men have come up to me and been like, yeah, like, um, oh, my baby mum's doing this. What do you think I should do? There was one time, like, literally, I'm in the middle of a set, and a, and a man's come over. 15 minutes were there talking. And I'm just like, man, you're telling me 
everything about you in it and it's yeah. like this ain't this ain't the time this ain't the time but because I'm it's to such a sensitive subject i can't even be like you know what we've got we've got to yeah. stop but like so i can imagine you're known for bro like for gym do you know what i mean like i'll tell you what youtube has indirectly done it's kind of made me become my old self as a child where i become more to myself mm. where introvert yeah where I've gone through years where I've become very extroverted, but YouTube has made me become very mm. closed again. Where is that? Uh, the other day, for instance, I was in the park, and I was in the park for two hours, and my brains are playing there, set, and I had to go stand far back with my cousin, and just watch from far back, and my cousin's like, talking, and I said to him, yeah, let's just chill here, and he's like, yeah, this, that, that. And I said to him, I have to stand here because every time I go and stand in the middle or close to the DJ, people start either talking about gym or this episode of YouTube. And, uh, you know, like at certain, there's certain days where you just want to be around your brethren and you don't even, you don't even want to be thinking about nothing else in life. You just literally just want to hear the music. And the week before I was at Matt's barbecue and I wasn't gonna go, and my boy was like, oh, why are you staying indoors? I know you could hear the music from your house. I said, yeah, I could fully, like every time I open my door and go to where my little gym setup is, I could hear the tunes pumping and I'm there singing along and, and he's like, rah, you'll be an old man. I said, bro, what's gonna happen is when I come in, someone's gonna be talking to me about YouTube or thingy or this or gym or that. And I said, I don't mind, but there's a time and a place. I said, mm. back to, we're, we're drinking Hennessy, there's some fine women walking past. I want to appreciate the vibe. Yeah. Being Bro, moment, yeah. When I was at home, I could hear the music. When I was at Matt's, I couldn't hear the music. Because it was just mandating one <laughs> after the other in my ear, back to back to back to back to back. At one point, yeah, I, bear in mind, I already listened to House. I went to the house tent oh, and I chilled behind my bridges and I was just there, just bumping my head. Just, and they was like, right, you listen to House? I said, yeah, because you know, I chilled in and no one could really see me. But when I've come back out, it started again. So I'm like, I can't hear the music. So I was only there for two hours. And now, for instance, this week, there's a party that I like to go to. But I just know it might happen again. So I might skip it. And next week, the same thing. That's so, bad that you've got to skip the event, though. Bro, like, you know what it is? Before, I used to think to myself, some of my famous friends, I used to think, you know, I'm even bougie, but... It's not, it's just... Understandable. Yeah, it's understandable now. I get, like, they don't get to chill. Mm, mm. Like, it's always something about, ah, oh, yeah, this thing that you was in, or yeah, yeah, that you yeah. was in, or, like, it, you're always stuck in work mode. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? So what made you want to get into YouTube? Uh, partly, my mum, partly, my cameraman, and partly a school teacher, so... My school form tutor always used to be like, oh, yeah, you should be a mentor. I was like, I said to him, yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice gesture. Yeah. It's good to reach out and help. But the problem with think jobs like that, you're always going to be capped at the money you're going to make, let's be honest. Mm. You know what I mean? So YouTube came about because I was like, rah, with my friends, I could reach all the kids and bring positive people and show them there's many ways you can make in life that's different to what you might think and it's not going to take up more than two hours of my day 
You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, it's a lot easier doing that than me spending six hours here, six hours there, six hours there, and I'm knowing I'm not making the money I want, then I'm coming home and I'm helping everyone, then I'm depressed because, you get what I'm saying? So that's that too. My cameraman, he was like, I bumped into him while I was doing Uber a few years prior, and he was like, yeah, you should jump on YouTube, racking my brain for time thinking, I don't want to jump in as a typical fitness man, because that just kind of puts you in a box. Doing the vlogs and... Yeah, so I was like, that could come further on. Mm. But if I jump in differently, it would bring in a different look to me compared to everyone else. Mm. Then my mum, she was always like, from young, you were always popular, but you always seem to like, want to be in the shadows. Why is that? And um, like, even though to everyone, it comes across like I'm extroverted, I'm more intro than extra. You know what I mean? Like, just a, they call it ambivert. I think 33% of me is the extra. 67% is I'd just rather be by myself 24-7 and yeah. I could just be in my own little world and nothing really affects me, you know what I mean? Like, outside, there could be nuclear bombs going off and as long as I've got food, I'm just there looking at it. Oh, yeah. okay. Just another Wednesday, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, her saying that, it kind of started hitting more after she passed. Because she was like, the kind of money you're going to want to reach, it's going to come from your network. And it's going to come from the people you know. So if you keep on hiding, you're never going to reach. That's powerful. Bro. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just something I had to give. So I had to just accept my, my faith and just say, you know what? It is what it is. Just accept that people naturally gravitate towards you and people naturally like you and people naturally help you. So just take that as a blessing because some people literally spend all their life chasing that mm. you know what I mean like yeah are so you, are you quoting Mumsy when you said um, the kind of money you, you want to make it's going to come from your network is that what your mum said yeah okay yeah wow. it's going to come from the people I know wow. you know what I mean they say your network is a net worth isn't yeah. It? Mm. yeah and from young I've always been one of the people fortunately I've always had people in my circle who are very like strong at whatever they do you know what I mean so like, I've always had good people in my network but I just I just always used to kind of distance myself from everything like because like I said I'm one of those people I kind of like my space but I, I don't know why but it's just always mm. it's always been like that maybe it goes back to when I was little and my mom always used to be at work and all of that so I got so used to being by myself or you know what I mean Whereas now, if you left a kid like that, social services straight away. Yeah, where, yeah. But I, I understood where it was. It was just stay in or go to your neighbours next door. So my neighbour, growing up in Nigeria, like, she was kind of like second mumsy at the same time. So imagine, let's say you've got the balcony here. Our two balconies are interjoined at the back of the house. So I could just open my door, go into theirs. Yeah. And they never used to leave their door locked. We never used to leave our back door locked. So we just go in between. So most of the time growing up, I spent next door, knowing that my mom was at work. Then a lot of times I'll just leave next door and just go in, go into my front room and just watching TV by myself. So I got kind of used to spending a lot of time by myself and got mad creative as a kid. Like things like if someone a car, I'll cut like a cornflakes box or like a sugar carton. Yeah. 
I'll draw and cut into a car, cut around it with scissors and all of that. Then I'll take like corn, cut the corn, put a biro through it, uh, put, uh, you know, the broomsticks. Yeah, yeah. Put the broomsticks and uh, rubber bands to push the rubber band right through. Then when you push the rubber band right through, you put uh, matchsticks on either side and you wind it, then it just starts rolling like a car. So these are little things that I used to do as a, as a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But that just came from being by myself alone. You just start getting yeah, creative and that, you start yeah. thinking and start thinking out of the box. Do you know what? Yeah, like one thing I noticed is that a lot of greatness comes from being still and just yeah. being like not having any distractions around you. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, when I'm just like, I go for walks a lot. Yeah. So when I'm walking like in nature, yeah. I feel like that's the moments where I get a lot of inspiration and like God speaks to me. So that's probably why you're just naturally like gifted in terms of like creativity and like you're able to plan like with all the things that you do oh, yeah. now, which like those times alone, your brain's just your working. Brain, yeah, your brain starts thinking like, yeah. me especially like at night time, my brain is just wired. Mm. I'm like, shit, you got to sleep. But that's when I'm just like, oh, this came my head right on the phone. I came my head right down. Yeah. You know what I mean? How I know when things are off is how my house looks. If everything is super clean, that means that my mind is just still at that moment. Yeah. But the moment everything just looks like clutter, clutter everywhere. Yeah. That's when my mind is just like frazzled. I'm like, oh shit, like signs off. You What's the saying mean? again? Um, there's a, ch a Chinese uh, saying where it's like your space, like if your space is clean and your mind is clean. Yeah. That's that's actually a thing. That's true. Yeah. yeah it's true. Yeah. Like you, you could walk it, you could walk into people's houses, and straight away you'd be like, "Raw, this person's going through it." Yeah, 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 yeah. Like straight away, you'd be like, "Yeah, this person's really going through it." And there's something that's just kind of throwing them off at that moment. Mm. That you walk into someone's house and you're like, "Raw, this place just smells like peace." You walk in and there's just some candle just wicked in the head. <laughs> you know what I mean? In terms of YouTube, yeah, your format is is different to what's out there and like you said you didn't want to jump in and just blend in with everyone else yeah. what like was that set up in the garden or wherever was it already there like or was that purposely done for youtube no the setup was already there so literally how it started was one day we were just training and we just having these talks and at the time there was like eight men in there but we're having serious talks then the same thing again and again so one day i just said to one of my regions i was like I want to try something out, just bring the camera. So we brought the camera one day, just training, having the talks. Then next minute I reached out to my next one, I was like, oh, I need a cameraman. So he's like, oh, there's a guy who films the London Lions games and this and that. I could reach out to him. So he's done a couple episodes for me. It was the first one with Baba Tunde and the first one with Marvin. So I posted a Tunde episode, it's done decent. I was like, ah, oh, thousand views. So I shot the Marvin episode, done well as well. So next minute, I said, it's hard to get that cameraman because one, he lives far. Two, anytime he'd come down, I'd have to go get him from the station and all of that. So I just remembered my cameraman at the moment had been 
talking to me about YouTube from years prior, so he'd seen it, and he said, yeah, I like the episode, and I was like, oh, you sh do you record or do anything like that? He was like, yeah, I do. Reached out, then just joined up as a team, yeah. And how have you found it since since starting? Like you said, the first episode done better than you thought. Yeah. Like, what was your expectations? Nothing. Seriously? Yeah, because I'd said to my cameraman, when we decided to go forward with it, I was just like, uh, the first year and a half, my aim's to get a thousand subs. So imagine we started March last year. So a year and a half would make what, September this year. So my aim was to get a thousand subs. Killed that. From then to now. Oh. That was the aim. I wasn't even thinking about. So that's why when it comes to this YouTube thing, a lot of people I know have been doing YouTube for years, but they haven't got as much episodes as me, even though they're meant to be like six years deep. Yeah. The reason why is they don't have the consistency, and the reason why they don't have the consistency is in their head, they're just programmed to think, oh, I want money now. When I started it, because I'd watched a lot of big YouTubers for years, my thought process was like five years. Playing the long game. Yeah, I'm like, whatever happens prior to that, my YouTube makes money, but I ain't made nothing. That's all going to my cameraman. Yeah. Okay. So the moment I get, I'm just like, yeah, you take it. Like, I even like even pay him commission on on AdSense as well. So I pay him for filming, but I pay him commission on AdSense as well. So everything, I'm just like, yeah, you take that. Yeah. So like, to people, it's like, yeah, YouTube, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I'm churning out the content, but in my head, I'm like five years. And another reason why I said five years, a lot of people don't understand with YouTube, some people blow from the jump. There's a, there's a kid that I follow called Joe Faser, and I bumped into him walking out of my gym one day, and I was like, yeah, I rate your thing, keep going. Joe's about to hit a million. Wow. He's not been YouTubing for that long, maybe like two years max, I think. But his first ever video, I think, hit like, four million views or something, it was a transformation video. Straight away, just <laughs> rocketed, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's an anomaly, you know what I mean? He's friends with the family Messiah, who was on my latest episode. So, Joe's an anomaly. Nathaniel, the first three and a half years, he didn't really make money. You get what I'm saying? Now he's five years deep. It, it's, it's doing what it needs to do now. In, in terms of that, for, for people that don't know, I'm not too familiar with it myself. Yeah. How, how does YouTube pay? How does that, how does that work? Okay, so via AdSense, you have to hit uh, a thousand subs and hit 4,000 watch time hours in a year. If you hit that within one year, then they send you an uh, email, then you could verify that email via Google AdSense. Then once they send you a pin and you verify the pin, to your account, then when YouTube's running ads on your account, you get paid from that. But the thing about it is, not every ad pays as well. So you might have someone, some people don't realize that having uh, high subs and that don't necessarily mean nothing. There's some accounts that I follow that are just literally property accounts or business accounts, and they might have only like compared to the big bigger boys, they might have 50K subs. The bigger boys might have a million, but that account of 50K might be making as much money from ad revenue right. as an account that's just more about jokes. Because yeah, yeah, 
YouTube will see it as like you've got a niche market. So those people, we could run a higher value ad uh, that's been paid more, that a sponsor's paid more to YouTube. So you start getting more. So they've got things called CPMs and RPMs. And also, depending on where most of your audience is from. So let's say my channel now, yeah, that I've gone out to America and linked up with Simeon, I start picking up an American audience. If let's say my channel over the next year becomes 50% American, the money will be higher. Because right. of American ads or? They pay more. Right. So America, Australia and Canada pays more than oh, here. Wow. Yeah. What, what are the numbers like on YouTube? Like at, a, at your current stage now? Uh, so up until like a month ago, I was averaging about 90 to 120K views a month. At the moment, I'm on 272K. In the past month, it just kind of just took another swipe. And when we say when we talk about AdSense, does that mean mm. every view you get, you get, re you receive like a, a little percentage? Yeah, yeah. So if you've got one video that's doing like ten thousand, they might give you half a penny on each. So I give you an example. I did uh, the video with Mike Rashid. I could even check now. The video with Mike Rashid and uh, Simeon. Let me look. That was a good conversation, by the way. Yeah, the first one. Let me look. That one's on 66, 66k views here. So if I check the analytics right now, that video has made £196.87. Then let me go further back to the video with Boost. So the video with Boost was like probably like a week prior. Yeah. That one's on 26k views. But, uh, so the first episode with Boost. But that video's brought £175. So the Boost video is a lot stronger. Yeah. yeah. Even though the views are... 40k difference. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the Boost video is a lot stronger. Why That's that probably mean? one of the strongest videos I've got. Why would the ads be... Why would the, the payment be different then? Is that just... I don't know. It's like, maybe like, YouTube saw it as... What Boost was talking about was catering to a wider audience that they can draw into and monetize okay. so they start running a higher ad spend on it like, yeah. one more question on that yeah so you mentioned there like you've got a year window right to get like a thousand subs the 18 month window 18 month window yeah. you've got so if if um someone's got an account and they're starting out on youtube if, mm. if within that year or 18 months they don't reach a thousand yeah can they no longer receive ads or does that does that start again? How does that? No, they still have to reach the thousand, but within a year window, the aim is to hit a thousand, a thousand subs, and four thousand watch time hours. Okay. You see the thing is, yeah, a lot of people, yeah, they do YouTube and they put uh, short content, ten minutes, five minutes, stuff like that. The other day I put out a little vlog, and that's probably like one of the. It was just random. I just threw it on randomly because it was just stuck in my phone. I was just like, I'm gonna waste this. Yeah. But I thought I didn't. I didn't promote it. I didn't push nothing out. I didn't repost it on any of my socials. Put it up. But it was only six minutes. That's probably one of the worst videos on my channel, like uh, views-wise, because YouTube for some reason doesn't like short videos mm. unless it's like the little shorts. Mm. They yeah. don't really like short videos. They want you to put out content. Like, 10 yeah. minutes plus at least. Like. They, they like the longer videos. For some reason, anytime I've got longer videos, it gets 
amplified out there. Yeah. Because also they can run more ads on a longer video. Of course. So they're trying to run as much ads as they can on a video. So if your audience is, if their retention and attention spans staying long in that video, that video's getting pushed out there. Yeah. So in terms of in terms of that, then what is your? Do you have a goal now? Like obviously you you smashed your initial yeah. goal. Like how's where's your vision now in terms of in terms of your brand and YouTube? I see YouTube as the, the top of the umbrella. Okay. So, now I in merch, that's off the umbrella. Then in the past year, so the, uh, the online training is gonna be like a year, the end of August, that's off the umbrella. So everything that I, I'll do will be kind of pushed by YouTube. So, Think about YouTube running ads on my channel, but I'm running ads on my channel. So the bigger my network becomes, the more things I'm going to be able to run off myself. So even if the YouTube income goes crazy, that's not really going to be where the real money is going to be from. The real money is going to be from the, the training and the merch. Because whatever the YouTube, let's say, example, let's say I get to a point I've got like a million followers. All I need is like a thousand people to always spend minimum of forty pound a month with me. So if you got a thousand people out of a million buying either a t-shirt, online training, or mm. something, that means every single month you're going to see forty k at the lowest. So think about all these big YouTubers like uh, the Sidemen, yeah, yeah, yeah. KSI, yeah, so. uh, Jake Paul, Steve will do Selfish it, the Nelk Boys, yeah. uh, that was epic. Uh, Mr. Beast. Mm. Mr. Beast is a different character. He's on 100 million. So imagine 100 million people, 100,000 people spending, let's say, like every month with Mr. Beast, 40 pound. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. That's the reason why Mr. Beast could do the amount of charity work he does. Because he ain't got no choice. Yeah. Like, literally, if he doesn't do charity, it's going to get wasted a tax. Mm. <laughs> so he might as well. No, that's true. That's true. Bang it out. Yeah. yeah. So that's he bangs out like he spent like four million on videos and here the joke here yeah, videos that he spent like that amount of money on, like the uh, thingy game. What was that uh, thing on Netflix, man? Squid Games. Squid Games. Yeah. He done the Squid Games on YouTube, and the video cost like three point seven million, but the video was sponsored as well. But. Smart. Smart moves, yeah. In terms of, in terms of, you mentioned their online training, right? Yeah. Um, did you say March that started? No, that started uh, end of August last and, year. And um, how's that been for you? Like, it's, uh, do you prefer that to in person? Is it easier? What was your reasons for? No, I prefer in person. But that day was more like a, it's more a business move because COVID taught me that if something like that happens again and you're not online, you're lost in the source. Mm. You know what I mean? So you have to, you have, you've got no choice but to be online. I'd rather one-on-ones because I'd rather be able to see every little thing someone's doing and be able to correct it then and, you know what I mean, then and there. But online, everyone who took advantage of it during COVID, example, Kira London, gone, mm. gone. You know what I mean? Was London, gone. Because they, they really took advantage of it. Mm. I remember Kieran was on to me about uh, keeping up with the live workouts, but I couldn't do it. 
I had to stop, man. No? It was killing my body, man. Seriously? Yeah, like my metabolism is stupid high. I remember first lockdown, I went from 16 stone to 12, no, to under 12 stone. Wow. So yeah, I ain't doing this, man. Was that, because I went, I dropped from like, I'm, I think I'm like 87, 88 kg right yeah. now, yeah? And last year, I was down to like 82. Yeah, and, and during, during lockdown, I got to 82. I was more of an, yeah. in a depressive state though, I yeah. thought, so I wasn't. Was you still maintaining your diet and stuff like that, or was that? No. No? It was just literally the intensity of going on 5K jogs, doing the, the training online, and all of that was just making me shred because I was not lifting no weight, so I was just dropping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dropping. So I'd gone from like 102 to 82. Now I'm like 94. I'm good at 94, but at the time I dropped to 82. I went back up to 102. This was uh, last lockdown. So at the end of April, I was 102 last year, and I was strong as hell, boy. Squatting five plates for 10, benching 180. I was just literally really, really strong because all we were doing was every day. That's how the YouTube kind of started as well during that period because all we were doing was every day working out and just sleeping. <laughs> so, what's, what's your diet like? I was just about to say, I couldn't you know let you go without asking. Do you, do you eat healthy? Because we, we've had conversations on sat down with a doctor, you know. My, my eating style is 80-20. So 80% on point, 20% trash. Yeah. yeah. What's, what's the trash? A, a lot of orange juice, a lot of apple juice. Uh, you know what's mad though? Like, because someone will, someone will listen to that and be like, no, but that's still... That's what I was thinking just yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, I was that's thinking, that's not healthy. even... That's still healthy. I, I, thought, have that that I thought you were going to say a mad thing. That's trash. It is though, yeah. The sugar, the sugar content, the sugar, trash. yeah, yeah, it's trash. Also, uh, henny. <laughs> That's my thing. <laughs> you get me? I heard that a lot of henny. Yeah. Uh, granola squares. Oh. Yeah. Sugar. Mm. Sugar is my vice. Same. Yeah. Would you say you're a creature of habit in terms of training, diet, kind of like daily routines? Me as a, I feel like. I'm I'm very stuck in my ways. There's yeah. that I pretty much almost eat the same thing every day as well. Yeah. I, I train religiously. Yeah. Could I kind of see you on a Monday, yeah. see you on a Thursday, and your pattern be pretty similar? Sometimes. Okay. Sometimes, yeah. What seems to change? Like before, I would like you. I'd probably eat the same thing all the time. Yeah. Because I'll just get lazy and just be like, you know. Let me stick with what what's my favorite and what yeah. I know. But now I'm experimenting. I'll just be like, you know what? I saw this thing in in this book, or I might just be scrolling through my app and I'll be like, yeah, that's today. So I'll just start experimenting. And that come during COVID where watching a lot of YouTube, I was just learning different meals. So I'll just be like, anything I see on YouTube, I'd watch it. Yeah, let me go to Tesco and grab the ingredients, man. Yeah. Then I'll just start chefing up. Mm. So I just started making that my thing. You know what I mean? And just learning quick, 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 quick meals that I could just knock out in 10 minutes. So now I don't end up being stuck eating the same thing over and over again. Because after a while, it's like, uh, there's only so much pasta you could have, man. How's your diet changed from the, from the kind of like college days when you were still training and working out a lot? Uh, I lived in Morley's. But my metabolism was stupid high. 
so many people do that. Yeah, I lived in mornings, bro. My metabolism was dumb high, bro. Like, like everything was getting burnt off. Because mm. remember, I was playing basketball probably seven days a week. So there's no way you can... I used to be baffled. Any, any of my friends who was out of shape doing basketball days, yeah, I used to think to myself, what do you actually eat? Because it's hard to be out of shape when you're playing seven days a week. Mm. Or even that, or you start watching them on defence after a while and thinking, oh, my man slacks on defence. That's what, that's what make, yeah, there's a weakness. That's what's making sense now. Because those days, you didn't realise that a lot of us, our eating habits were so bad. Like, you finish training, and I'm just walking with their duffel bag. Let's go Morley's, man. What's man? Two-piece, wings, chips. Like, that was just the normal. You know what I mean? I stopped drinking fizzy drinks from then, though, because I used to get uh, stitches all the time. So I just knew that carbonated water, I mean, just don't mix. Yeah. Like, it would be in the middle of the game, and you're just cramping and all of that. So I stopped fizzy drinks from, like, 14. And uh, I stopped drinking milk around that time as well because I realised when I come off it I stopped getting Qatar my skin cleared up fast so I stopped drinking milk from around those ages yeah, I don't yeah. really eat bread but I don't really eat bread because I don't like bread I don't eat bread because I live alone so it's like why buy a loaf and <laughs> when people say oh yeah put it in the freezer nah man forget that it's just not gonna taste the same you know what I mean and I like hard dough bread as well so I know that if I buy hard dough bread that whole loaf might get battered on the same day. So I just don't eat bread just based on that. That's more self-control. I don't eat uh, sweets no more. Harry Bowles is an addiction. <laughs> Skittles is an addiction. But yeah, I had to drop that out because I just know that that's another thing, self-control. Yeah. It, 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 could go, it could go left real quick. How so, long has it been since you uh, I stopped in January. I used to literally sit in my car <laughs> right before gym and just bang a whole packet of Harry Bowls yeah. pre-workout, banging shoes for five minutes, and be like, yeah, let's go. Just, just kick. So when everyone's like, right, don't you take pre-workout? I was like, nah, man, I don't need it. The Harry Bowls was... Kicked in. It kicked in, turned me into a super saiyan. But now I realise that I'm more steady without it. So, I, like I said, I get up at 5 a.m. When I used to batter sugar... Was it happening? You don't realise it. It made... It, takes you high and low. Mm. Your insulin spikes up and so you have crashes. Now I could be up from like five and I'm just like, just normal the whole day. And that's just due to cutting, cutting it out. Like the weekends I would have my fruit juice here and there, but there's some days where I could see, like now I could see it in my condition. Cause the moment I got lean, I could tell when I'm slacking. Like I'll look in the mirror and be like, right, oh, you're looking, you can spot the little difference. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, if I take a picture, I'm like, right, you're looking watery. All right, cool, cut it out for two weeks. Then I'll be back to, to normal. And that come from just literally going into that pattern in January and saying to myself, yeah, I'm not on it no more. And I remember like a few people like, oh yeah, you're always in shape. So I remember putting a, a, a reel where it showed January and it showed May. And you could see it like clearly but because people are so used to seeing me and thinking how you look in a t-shirt means that yeah but not realizing that these fine little details just because that's what their goal is they're chasing what 
you at your worst is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they think that's the goal, but no, when you're at your best, they're like, oh, there's, another, there's another level to this. So us at the Goodman Factory, we have, we, we've had many discussions um, amongst ourselves and with um, other men as to what makes a good man. Yeah. And by that, it's kind of like what things individually we feel is important for men to do, yeah. um, maybe for their mental well-being or physical mm. well-being. If there's any young boys out there or men out there um, listening to you right now, what kind of things do you feel are important for us as men to make sure that we're doing? Hmm. Simple things. First, always make sure you're very disciplined. That's one. Second, always make sure you're always kind to others. Mm. Always kind to others because you, you, you actually don't know what you saying to someone today could it have on their mental health. You know what I mean? Like, for instance, I'll give you an example. Like, in my area where I live now, I know a few of the homeless people and a few of my friends who go like to the Tesco and that, they'll be like, for like a couple of months, I was just like, oh, I wasn't going to Tesco. And the reason why I was going to Audi, trying to save little pennies, because I was looking at the difference in spend I was spending in both places. So when my friends go there, the homeless people would always ask, oh, have you seen Chiz? These are guys who go to my gym and they're like, oh, why do they always ask us about you? And I'll be like, be kind to people because those people there, people are walking past them, looking at them and not realising that no one might have spoken to them in two, three days. So they're in silence in two, three days. And due to me being a person who's to myself a lot, I've seen that other people can't live like that. You know what I mean? Like, it might be good for me, but for someone else, it's just, you know what I mean? It's hard, it's breaking them. So always be kind to people. You never know, like... I'll give you an example. When we're in Atlanta now, I'm in a, a day party. Some guys come up to me. He said, ah, oh, uh, dope physique. I was like, ah, oh, thank you. I'm there talking to him, busting joke. Then he was like, uh, before you leave, could we get a gym session? I was like, yeah, whatever, cool, man. I did show him an IG. He's seen who I'm connected to and all of that. And then he was like, he'd seen the YouTube. And it was like, snap. Uh, when do you leave? I was like, the next day after, he was like, oh, next time you're in Atlanta, I could get this person. So there's a singer called Vito. That's his version. He's like, I could get Vito to come on your channel. Then his girl is a big YouTuber. He's like, yeah, I can get her as well to come on your channel. If I was an arsehole and it was just like, you've asked me, oh, yeah, boom, boom, boom. They said, oh, yeah, could we train together? And I was just like, yeah, 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 when? He's like, uh, before you, I was like, tomorrow. yeah. If I was an arsehole and I said, nah, I ain't got time, you never know opportunity. opportunity. Yeah. So be kind to people because all the time, a lot of things like, especially with my network, has come from me just being nice to someone without wanting nothing and someone just linked me with the next person. Yeah. Like, I'll say that's probably the most important thing ever. Love that. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. I think that's, that's a wrap. Um, Bro, I just want to say thank you. Honestly, no, it's been a pleasure. It, you touched on a lot. I've learned yeah. a lot about you. And um, yeah, I think this is going to be a great episode. No, so it's going to be a dope one. Thank you for watching. And until next time, we out. Peace. Yeah.